This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to the Equity Night Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Comsec, the home of investing. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well-known companies from around the world. Each episode, we'll be unpacking one company with one expert. We'll learn from their process and hear why they like the company. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? Bryce, I am good. I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited for this whole series, but we always love speaking to the team at Fairlight Asset Management. Nick Cregan, we've spoken to a number of times on the show. Will Dowd is our expert joining us today. He is a partner and portfolio manager over at Fairlight Asset Management. In your introduction, you said we're speaking about some of the most well-known companies. Yes. Whenever we speak to Fairlight, it's not a well-known company, but it is a fascinating one. So fascinating that I've asked them multiple times if they'll let me invest in their fund. <laughs> and they always say yes, it's on you. <laughs> and I'm sure this interview will be no different because uh, we're speaking about a company that I hadn't heard of until they sent it through. It is a Landstar system. Yes, Landstar system. So before we jump in, we must say a huge thank you to Comsec, the proud partner of the Equity Mate Summer Series and the home of investing. Often we get frustrated with the lack of access to international markets, particularly when there are so many great opportunities outside of Australia. However, with Comsec, those opportunities are a reality with access to 13 international markets from the US to Norway. Germany and Japan. Invest in shares on the US market from just $5 USD brokerage. Download the Comsec app today or visit comsec.com.au. Comsec T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. Investing in overseas markets exposes you to additional risk. Now, Bryce, before we get stuck in, we need to remind everyone that whilst we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only. Any advice is general. All right, Ren. Well, before we bring Will in, which I'm very excited about, love talking to the Fairlight guys, let's take a look at Landstar System. What are they? So, Landstar is the trucking company that owns no trucks. Wow. And to take a step back, we really need to talk about trucking in America. And it is just in America. There's, this isn't a global company. 90% of America's truckers are 
owner operators or small businesses that own six or fewer trucks. Mm. So when we think about trucking in Australia, when, like when I was looking at this company, in my mind, I was thinking Lin Fox, mm -hmm. Toll, mm -hmm. DHL. DHL well, yeah. That's it, Lin Fox I, and Toll. I honestly wasn't thinking about DHL. <laughs> I was thinking about the first two. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an incredibly fragmented market. Yeah. And that is where Landstar have sort of come in and they have tried to, I guess, unify this fragmented market. Mm. How fragmented are we talking though? So there are 4.06 million semi-trucks operating in the US as of 2021 and 3.5 million employed truck drivers. Yeah. So if you just say 90% of that. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Very fragmented. So where does Landstar fit into this then? Uh, so Landstar, uh, think of them as a marketplace essentially. And they're a two-sided marketplace with a third side sort of hanging <laughs> it all together. Yeah. They're, this is probably the easiest way to explain it. On one side are the millions of small businesses and different agencies and everything that need to move stuff around America. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the marketplace are all of the truckers. Truckers. Landstar tries to connect the two. Um, but the way that they connect the two is with this third tier is I think it's like, it's over a thousand agents who are essentially small businesses or, you know, their own operators. And their whole job is to act as a broker. They're like a freight broker. Mm. And before Landstar, these freight brokers existed and, you know, they would have a Rolodex with a bunch of truckers in the area and businesses would call them and say, Hey, I need to get this to there. And then they would find drivers. Mm. Now they use the Landstar system to post jobs and to get truckers and to manage it all. So, yeah, I guess their key customer is the agent. Mm. But the beauty of the Landstar business, you know, they're the trucking company that owns no trucks, is that they don't employ anyone in that three-sided marketplace. They take a commission on each load, so from the driver, and they take a commission from the agent as well. Mm. What I'm more interested in with this company is they do have a tech platform. I can't remember what it's called, the load load something, where essentially it cuts out the agent. Um, Interesting. You see, I – okay, yeah, go on. Make your case and then I'll – Because it's so, it still seems – I'm still surprised that this is how it's done. In a world of technology, it feels like they should be able to soon get rid of the agents and really just rely on a tech product that says, hey guys, we are a two-sided marketplace. Truckers, put in your your load or your availability and where you're going. And we've got all of these small businesses or people trying to shift weird things around the country and we'll provide the tech offer that joins the two. Like I feel, I, I find it amazing that the agents still form such a integral part to this. Let, me, I, let me give you my rebuttal. Yeah. So- when something goes wrong, you need someone that you can speak to. Um, yeah, that's get any it, industry. Hold on, hold on, just wait, just wait, just wait, and get it sorted out. Landstar, they say they've got over 50,000 truckers who drive for them and they've got 1,200 agents making those connections. You're going to need that many agents doing customer service and like yeah, gonna, managing it and being the person that calls when things go wrong or something like that. It's either you can outsource the responsibility to the agents and the agents can, you know, drive your business for you and do all that or you have to bring it in-house. 
But then you're just like Uber and like every time food doesn't get delivered for Uber Eats or every time a mobile phone is left in a car, Uber is employing someone to deal with that. AI. No. <laughs> I still think I there's think probably, this, I think there's a portion of, I, th- I reckon there'd be a portion in there that, Maybe, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. Just definitely like, a portion. You don't like, need an agent. If we're sending, this. if we're sending like forty shirts yeah, to people, yeah, I don't need an agent. Yeah, but it's like I think this is so elegant because it's like you have twelve hundred people, the agents out there who are running their own businesses, but all of their incentive is to make you more money. Like yeah, to get yeah, more yeah. volume through your business. Like you lose that if you go two-sided marketplace. You have to be your marketing and you have mm-hmm. to be your customer service. Mm-hmm. But this model, the 1,200 agents that you don't employ, mm-hmm. they're your marketing, they're driving your business and they're your customer service if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like it's, it's, I, I, it's elegant. I think the other part as well is that they're not doing the 50 shirts for yes. the Etsy guy. Um, they kind of position themselves as doing the uh, the larger, unusual deliveries that otherwise, you know, might not get on the DHL plane or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the numbers. Yeah. Well, here's a number for you. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> since it listed in 1993, <laughs> it's up 10,500%. Now, I'm not going to give it away, but there are a number of companies in the summer series this year that have been 100 baggers um, since IPO, so stay tuned. Yeah, so it listed in 1993 and it's 100 bagged since then. If our parents hadn't – so you were born 91, I was born 92. If our parents had, hadn't had us and taken the money – they would have spent on us as kids <laughs> no, and invested no, no. it in Landstar. No, if our parents had just put a grand into Landstar when we were born as a gift, thank yes. you, present. We worth over $100,000. Yeah, we'd be loaded. Anyway, phenomenal performance. But, However. Yeah, but more recently, the numbers don't look so great. Landstar has seen revenue fall five quarters in a row. What the? Sequentially down, 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 down. I sound like a Coles ad. And profit has fallen six quarters in a row sequentially. Just every quarter a step down, 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 (laughs) down, down, down. I have to count them on my fingers. (laughs) So I guess the question is what the, like what's going on here? One note to give them credit is that in those six quarters as profit has fallen, profit margin has stayed relatively stable around like the mid fives. Mm, mm. So it's like their costs, their revenue has stepped down and their costs have stepped down as well. Everything scales together. Yeah. And I th- I suspect, we, Will can talk to us about it more, but I suspect it's part of the elegance of their business model. Mm. It's not like Uber where they have, they have to have their marketing team employed and they have to have mm, their customer mm. service team employed. Mm. If it's just that they're getting less commission from drivers and agents, but that's okay because like their profit margin is pretty steady. Like they've, they're a high variable cost, low fixed cost business. Mm. It's like the exact opposite of a company with operating leverage. Mm. And like operating leverage is all the buzzword these days because of like software as a service businesses. Yeah, they have high fixed cost, but low variable cost. So as you add incremental revenue, it just flows straight down to the bottom line. Mm. This is the exact opposite company. It's got low operating leverage, but that might make it resilient. What an elegant company. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, before we bring in Will, if you've just joined us but are feeling a little overwhelmed with where to start or confused about some of the investing lingo in today's episode, then Comsec's Stocked Content Hub could help. Stock up on tips and tools to help you find and research a stock and understand the stock market. Visit comsec.com.au for more. We'll be back with Will right after this short break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to the Equity Mates Summer Series. We're here with Will Dowd. Will, welcome to Equity Mates. Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be here. Now, we can't wait to get stuck into this fascinating company. Take us to the top. For those that haven't come across Landstar Systems before, what does Landstar do? Yeah, so Landstar, is, it's US-based. It's a freight brokerage company. It classifies as a trucking company, but it doesn't own any trucks. And that's kind of the magic of the business. So it's a two-sided marketplace, many-to-many two-sided marketplace. The US freight market, incredibly complex, massive, fragmented. So on one side, you have, there's a million plus trucking companies. And interestingly, those trucking companies, 90% of them are all effectively small businesses. They own three or less trucks, quite an unusual industry structure. Yeah. So if you're driving down the road and you see a truck, that guy who's driving it's running his own business. He's got a laptop in there and he runs it from the cab. Very interesting. Hopefully not while he's driving. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Um, And then obviously on the other side, you've got there's 30 million plus small businesses in the US. They all need to move goods from A to B. And if you're a small business, you don't have the capacity to have a logistics team. And if you're only moving things every now and then, you don't have the resources, the time to try and find a truck to move your goods. And so sitting between those two Parts of the ecosystem is Landstar or freight brokers. So again, another massively fragmented industry. There's 100,000 freight brokers in the US. 1,200 of those work under the Landstar umbrella. And effectively their job is customers call them up. They need to move goods from A to B. The freight broker looks after finding the truck, making sure it gets on the truck, making sure it gets there. Insurance takes care of all those things. And so that's uh, effectively Landstar. Wow. It's such a fascinating um, company. A million trucking companies. Yep. So it's about 13 million trucks and about a million companies in total. Oh. And I think the biggest company has like 1% market share. So wow. it's just this hugely, hugely fragmented industry. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we talk about two-sided marketplaces and, you know, the classic example is something like Uber or Airbnb. But this feels like a two-sided marketplace that existed well before all of this technology. And it was just that these freight brokers sat in the middle and connected the two sides of the marketplace pretty manually and Landstar's come in and I guess made their life a lot easier. Yeah, exactly right. So they've been around for decades, so listed back in 93. And the traditional business model is on the phone. It's relationships. They're in a small town. They've got a Rolodex of all their customers and, and that's how they work. A lot of them work out of their garage. You can make a lot of money as a freight broker if you're quite good at it. But it is interesting because you talk about technology, but over the last couple of decades, Landstar actually has been at the forefront of building. They now have an online load board. So for example, if you're an agent, you get a job, you put it up on a load board and then of the Landstar's 13,000 truckers, they can look up and say, I'm planning a route from 
X to Y and here are all the, the loads that I can pick up along the way. So Landstar actually does. It's got an app now. It's got that load board. So it is sort of bringing technology to bear in the business as well. Compare like the American market to Australia. Because when I think about Australia, I think of like trucking companies like Toll and, and stuff like that. Fox. Is it? Lin Fox. Lin Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Fox. is my perception of Australia's market just wrong and it's also incredibly fragmented? Or is there something unique about America that it's a lot more small businesses and fragmented than some other markets? I suspect Australia's just definitely smaller. So yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you do have those bigger companies. To be honest, I'm not fully sure. Fair um, enough. I was asking you about a completely different market. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. It is interesting one. Obvious question with America is if it's 90% small business, like has has there been attempts to roll it up and like are there people who are trying mm. to, you know, I guess yeah, truck change. a roll up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Private equity, truck a roll up. Yeah, yeah. I think it, the challenge is is just the returns are not that great, and it's quite hard. Mm. So it's a hard life being a trucker, and so you've got to pay depreciation on on the truck and insurance, and you know you're doing a lot of hours. And the big benefit, which we can get into later when we talk about the competitive advantages, but when you work for Landstar, you're not an employee of Landstar as a trucker, you control your own hours, you control which loads you do and don't pick up. And so I think companies that out there, um, if they want to do a roll up, the idea of trying to then enforce the truckers to do certain hours and be employees, they're not going to want to do it. And so, you know, the truckers, they value that flexibility, being their own boss, being able to drive when they do and when they want. I assume also and set their own price. Well, I mean, this is a really interesting part of the, the business, which we can get into later, but effectively there's a kind of a, a freight price which fluctuates based on supply and demand. Okay. And so there's a very predictable trucking cycle that occurs over sort of three to four years. And, and what happens is the price goes up, it attracts more truckers into the industry, they buy more trucks over capacity, that then drives the price down, people leave the industry. And so as a trucker, you can't necessarily choose the price, but what you can decide is whether you're going to take it or not. Mm. And the price will move until someone chooses to take that particular load and you'll get paid more for unusual freight. And Landstar actually specialises in difficult and unusual freight. So part of the market, when people think about freight, they sort of think about, you know, we're moving from one Amazon warehouse to another, but... Landstar specializes in, it's called messy freight. And so you should be, for these guys, you should be thinking about moving, for example, a Caterpillar excavator from one construction site to another, or mm. one of their biggest customers is actually the Department of Defense. So you're moving a missile from an air base to another air base. <laughs> so these are the kinds of weird and, and esoteric freight that they're moving. Wow. Yeah, wow. So when you're looking at a two-sided marketplace business model, what are the key sort of metrics that you use to, to analyze it? Yeah, so... Landstar's an interesting one when you do look at the PL in that it's very different from a lot of other companies. So it looks, and this is kind of where we think part of the opportunity is it looks like it's got a very low margin. So if you think about you're a customer and you're paying $100 to move goods from A to B, Landstar recognizes that $100 as revenue, but $80 of that goes to the truck driver, $5 goes to the agent as commission, and then Landstar takes $15. And for context for people, like that's quite unusual. Like if you looked at like Ubers, uh, they wouldn't recognize the full Uber order as revenue. It would be like gross bookings and then their revenue would come under that. That's right. And so if you pull up Landstar's P&L, it looks like they have about a 7 or 8% operating margin. But in our view, the price paid to the trucker, that's 100% variable 
based on the volume. So that's not really a cost to Landstar. Either is the commission to the broker. So we view it more as the $15 is the revenue to Landstar mm. and then they have about of that $7 cost. So it's actually got about a 50% operating margin. Why do they account it that way? It would just be the accounting rules. They have okay. to. Yeah. Um, and then I guess it's up to sort of young enterprising analysts to pick it apart and, yeah. and figure out what's going on. But then from there, so that's kind of the secrets within the, the profit and loss statement. But the two key things for Landstar which drive their revenues is so volumes and, and price. And what makes this business really interesting is that it's probably the most cyclical business that Fairlight owns. We try to avoid cyclical businesses where we can. And it's also very volatile. So quarter to quarter, the revenues can move quite a lot. But it's a business where if you can zoom out and take a five-year or a 10-year view, there's actually really strong tailwinds behind it. So if you think about those two metrics, on one side, you've got volume. US freight volume grows pretty much in line with GDP, 2 to 3% per annum. And then on top of that, uh, you've got Landstar gaining market share as a two-sided marketplace. As their marketplace gets better, they gain more market share. So volume is sensitive to the economy, but if you take a 10-year or a 20-year view, very reliable 2 to 3% per annum growth. On the other hand, you've got price, which, as I said before, operates on kind of that three- to four-year cycle. Capacity comes in and out of the, the market. It moves up and down. But ultimately, the underlying driver behind price is inflation. Mm-hmm. And so Landstar actually has an amazing inflation hedge inside its P&L baked in effectively. So the business performed really well, for example, over the last 18 months because mm-hmm. of that inflation tailwind. And so then again, the price over a three, two, three year period will vary quite a lot, but zooming out and taking a 10 or 20 year view, the things that are going to drive it are trucker wages, the cost of trucks, the cost of insurance. These are all going to go up over a long period of time. And so you look at the tailwinds behind Landstar's revenues, you've got GDP, market share gains, inflation, and that's how you get to over the long period of time. It's done kind of that high single digit organic growth. Mm. Yeah, when you when you think about it and you think, yes, like the, the top line revenue might be Volatile, And, you know, this is why we love getting experts in to talk about these companies because I never would have thought the trucking industry was so cyclical yeah. or so volatile yeah. quarter to quarter. Makes sense though. Mm. Yeah, to an extent, but like the volatility quarter surprises quarter, me yeah. because it's like um, the same volume of like goods probably needs to be transported most quarters. It's like businesses aren't massively varying how much they're moving Christmas. You know, the Department of Defense has a set number of missiles that move around and Walmart has a set number of, you know, stores that they supply. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think now this is both a pro and a con of Landstar is that Landstar is effectively kind of the overflow capacity because their agents are incentivized based on gross commission. The agents are always trying to find the highest price loads. So the way it works is that if you are a if you're a Woolworths and you have a, you know, you know you're moving X amount of capacity per week, you'll you'll contract out that lane at a fixed price. And so that's that kind of steady, really regular mm, freight. Mm. What Landstar's trying to find is where they have got more than what they need and they need a truck there today to move it. Yeah. And they get yeah, paid yeah. a premium paid for that. Yeah. yeah. But what yeah. that means is that when there is that volatility, it's the overflow capacity that's the first to go mm. and also the price. Yeah. Um, so I think in the to kind of illustrate in the most recent quarter, earnings for the business are down sort of 20 or 30%. So it can move a lot um, on, a, on a quarter to quarter basis. But the great thing about the business is the way they've designed the model actually gives it a lot of resilience to that volatility. Because 
the challenge with volatility in, in revenues, if you've got a lot of fixed costs, is you can, before you know it, you're losing money. Mm. And if you've got debt as well, then the business is in trouble from a solvency perspective. Yeah. But Landstar, as we said before, all of its costs are variable. So revenues go down, costs go down a lockstep, your margins are protected. It doesn't have any capital requirements. So mm. it doesn't own any trucks. So it doesn't matter where in the environment it is it's still generating cash. Mm. So no issues from there. And it doesn't carry any debt. So management know that it's volatile. So they don't take on any, on any debt to give that extra layer of protection. So whilst it's volatile in the near term, if you take a long-term view and then you say it's got all these protections as well, that's really where the opportunity is. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Mm. Um, so we've spoken a little bit about the bull case, why you like it, but let's really unpack that a little bit more and also talk about, I guess, the long-term, I guess, sustainable competitive advantage it's built or it's trying to build, how does it stop another you know, platform come and eat its lunch? Yeah, so I think the key competitive advantage for this business is the network. Mm. I think the best way to understand that is to just step through the different parties in the network and then understand the value that Landstar delivers to them. So it's kind of three, three parties in there, truckers on one side, agents, and then shippers on the other. And so... If we start with truckers, um, and this is really interesting. So we said before, you know, there's about a million plus companies in the US. So 13,000 opt to haul freight exclusively for Landstar. Okay. So most are independent and can pick and choose. 13,000 decide to haul exclusively for Landstar and they actually take a lower cut. So for your average independent trucker, they get 85 cents in the dollar. Landstar trucker gets 75 cents in the dollar. But in the trucking industry, the average turnover is about 100%. So people stay at one company for less than a year on average. But wow. at Landstar, it's 25%. Oh, so wow. truckers love working there relatively. Is that because the turnover is lower and they take less of each dollar, but is that because like these are higher value loads and so the total amount is more? So? Uh, yes, but also the two other key factors is... First of all, Landstar uses their scale to help truckers get discounts on things like maintenance, tires, fuel. So okay. it saves you costs and they can use scale to do that. And then the second big one is if you're a trucker hauling for Landstar, agents will use you preferentially first. So uh-huh. you've got 1,200 agents that are out there working to make sure that your truck is always utilised. And if you're doing a return trip across the States and you've only got your truck full for the outward leg and you have to drive back empty your profit's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the most important thing for them is making sure that at every point of the journey, the truck is full and utilised. Yeah. So effectively what they do is they say, well, I'm happy to take a little bit less on each individual job knowing that I'll save some money on costs and Mm. also I have the 1,200 agents working for me all the time. So that's that part of the network that is still growing. They add more truckers every year. And then on the other side, you've got shippers. So as your average shipper trying to move goods the most important thing for them obviously is you want to be able to get a truck there as quickly as possible and then you want to get your goods delivered on time and and in one piece and so Landstar effectively uses their brand to deliver that promise to shippers and also you know you've got those 1200 agents. So on that when I was looking at Landstar's revenue line they split out insurance division revenues so this might be a time to talk about that is that they offer insurance to their Shippers? That's right. So Landstar actually takes care of the insurance on behalf of the agents. So again, they use their scale. This is quite important. So as an agent, you can opt to just operate in your garage as a one-man show. You then need to arrange insurance for all of the 
goods that you oh so move. as the agent you're responsible for exactly the goods getting from a to b yep. yeah yeah so okay. what Landsat can do is diversify that across their entire book and it's quite a big cost because unfortunately there can be quite large crashes at a few every year mm. and the payouts in the u.s court system can be hundreds mm. of millions of dollars mm. and so insurance is actually a critical part of the value that the Landstar offers mm. so they can diffuse that cost amongst everybody. Yeah, so um, 2016 they did about 47 million in revenue for that and then 2022 80 million. So obviously tiny in comparison to the broader business, but it's just you know any time a number almost doubles in 5 or 6 years. It's well, yeah. So that would actually be a reflection which is more of a risk for Landstar that the payouts are getting bigger for the insurance. Oh, so the yeah, cost okay. of insurance yeah, yeah, yeah. is going up. So that's yeah. a, effectively a pass through cost. They're not making any money from that. Yeah, right, okay. Um so that is actually one thing that's driving up the inflation of the price we talked to before. Higher insurance costs. Exactly, mm. yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. I'm, now I'm just imagining what it would cost to insure a Department of Defense missile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the agents, it's actually quite interesting. As an agent, you can, if you're a successful agent operating a garage, you can make quite a bit of money. But to kind of contextualize, Landstar's got 1,200 agents. Over 500 of them are doing more than a million dollars in revenue. Okay. So these guys are doing very, very well. And as an agent, when you join Landstar, Landstar looks after all your back office compliance. They provide you obviously access to 13,000 trucks, the brand. They do your help you with your receivables as well. So helping you get your cash flow moving. And mm. so as an agent, effectively, you make the decision, I'll give some of my revenues to Landstar, but it means that I can spend all day on the phone maximizing my selling capacity and then when you think about these guys that are making a million dollars in revenue, there's no incentive to leave this system. And yeah. so people see that and Landstars adds agents to the model every year. So you can think about kind of bring it all the way back to that three-side model. We've got truckers want to join because it's the best place and it's got the lowest turnover. Agents can make the most money there. So they want to join and they never want to leave. And then shippers on the other side, the more agents you've got, the more trucks you've got. Landstar is a really great place to move your goods as well. So that's the the flywheel that's running at the moment. Is there a world where the agents become obsolete if the digitization process just becomes so good that Landstar, like we don't actually need you guys, our load platform is good enough? Yeah. So this is, I guess we can talk about risks now. So this would be the key risk on mm. the stock. So you mentioned Uber before. Uber has a division called Uber Freight. Okay. Mm. So Uber trying to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2016, they actually they launched Uber Freight, and the idea was disintermediate the freight broker. The shipper can get it on an app mm. and say, "I need to move goods from A to B," and get a truck moved to their location. There's a lot of startups in this space at the moment. Some quite good ones in Australia and and in the US as well that are looking to digitize the freight market there's huge opportunity here and this has been a big risk or kind of bare thesis on the stock for quite some time that effectively agents will be disintermediated yeah. because shippers will just use some kind of digital platform to help them move goods from a to b and that has been to a degree true so the Woolworths of the world for example are using these platforms to reduce the costs down for their to move their shipping. But the thing that works in Landstar's favour is we talked about before how agents are trying to chase the highest value loads, which are generally unusual and, you know, messy freight. Mm. And so that's the absolute last part of the ecosystem we think that's going to be disintermediated because when you're moving a Caterpillar excavator um, or, as we said, a Department of Defence, the being able to call someone up and 
and say, when's the truck arriving? Mm. It has a lot of, that has a lot of value. And so today, so far, Landstar has been relatively protected based on the niche they operate in, which is unusual non-routine freight. Yeah. But it's a risk to think about. That's mm. for sure. We spend a lot of time um, thinking about that that risk. Yeah. So aside from that risk, are there any other risks that you think would, you know, if they eventuated, they would break the thesis? I guess the thing that we think about a lot is is the cycle and the volatility of the business, which is unusual for, for us at, at Fairlight. So that's definitely one. You know, earnings can go up or down 30 or 40% in any one quarter. So that's what we look at, digital disruption and disintermediation. And then really the last piece would be if your flywheel starts spinning backwards, yeah. then you're in trouble. So if we're losing agents, if we're losing trackers or if we're losing market share from a shipper perspective, mm-hmm. perhaps there's another competitor out there that's doing it better, that would be a big risk as well. So yeah. we, we will always want to be seeing every year uh, network is getting better on, on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So then in terms of the long-term plans, when you kind of model this out and, and think about what this company could become, what do you expect it to be in sort of 10 years' time? It's a great thing about Landstar. And it's a very fair light stock in, in this way in that it's listed in 1993. Um, and it's pretty much executing the same business model today as it was then. <laughs> okay. So it's never made a large acquisition. It's never tried to move into another industry. Yeah. It's been doing the same thing for 30 years. And I expect in a decade's time, it'll be doing the same thing again. And so what does that mean for us as as investors? So if we kind of zoom out and we think about the demand drives of this business, we think freight market grows at GDP. We think their network will get stronger so they can gain market share. So that's kind of 2 to 3% per annum as well. Price goes up in inflation, 2 to 3%. So if you just do the same thing every year and do it a little bit better, you've gotten to high single digit organic growth. The great thing about a platform business is it doesn't require any incremental cost to bring new agents on. So incremental margins are very high. So if you can get to that high single digit organic growth and you're expanding margins, your EBIT's growing double digit. And then I said before as well, there's no capital required in this business. So each year, 100% of profits turn into cash and the management have been buying back three or 4% of the, the shares on issue for call it two plus decades now. So you add that on as well. And so if I look out 10 years from now, I would expect the business is probably going to grow earnings 10 to 15% per annum, be doing exactly the same thing that it is today, but just be doing it a little bit better every year. Love it. Love it. <laughs> well, a fascinating that? company and uh, a reminder about how simple investing yeah. can be. Like the thesis doesn't have to be overly complicated. Great management team executing well. Obviously, it's not simple to find and analyze the companies, <laughs> but um, I think you really summed it up there quite nicely. So, Will, thank you for joining us today. We always love speaking to yeah. you or Nick or anyone from Fairlight. You guys always have really interesting companies. Yeah. So, thanks yeah. for joining us today. No worries, guys. Great for the chat. Thank you. Now, before we go, we want to say a massive thank you to our summer series partner, Comsec, the home of investing. If you're looking for more support and resources to build confidence in the market, head to their content hub. Otherwise, you can get $0 brokerage on your first 10 trades for Australian markets when you join. You can get $5 USD brokerage on US stocks, and you can invest from as little as $50 through the ComBank app. Download the ComBank app today or visit combank.com.au. And stick around because in the next episode, we are joined by Mary Manning to discuss one of the world's largest companies, Alphabet. We'll pick it up next week. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. 
In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.